John 16 is going to be our passage of Scripture this morning. We're going to begin reading in uh, verse 20 of John 16. So if you could open up your Bibles with me and read along, that would be excellent. John 16, beginning in verse 20, we read, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Let's pray together. Almighty God, as we look at your word this morning from John chapter 16, we're reminded that when you came down to earth and took on flesh, oh Lord, what what a beam of light you were down into the darkness, the, the great shining light of your Son broke down into our darkness. And we're so thankful for what you did here, that you not only were born, but you lived a sinless life and you died on the cross in the place of sinners so that anybody who repents and believes might not perish but have everlasting life. And would you also were raised on the third day. You didn't stay in the grave. And Lord, we know also that you're going to return. And we're so grateful for the joy that comes into our hearts when we recognize that we are awaiting right now the return of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are so thankful for all the hope that we have, the peace that we have, and the joy that we have because of all that you've done. And I pray that you would help joy become a deeper reality in our Christian lives as a result of the message today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's so good to see you all. Merry Christmas to you this Christmas season. I uh, confess I really, really love Star Wars. Uh, You know, one of the things that I had growing up was a Millennium Falcon, and I just love that ship. I just see it flying, and there's just this warm glow that comes into my heart whenever I see it, uh, you know, just dodging asteroid fields, navigating asteroid fields, or jumping into hyperspace, or blowing up another ship. It's just a good feeling inside. Um, and, you know, there's there's one of the themes constantly in Star Wars is that there's this great sorrow of uh, the the evil that grows uh, from the Empire. And then at the very end of every Star Wars movie, it seems like there's just this great moment moment where all the sorrow is just turned into joy as Death Star after Death Star blows up. I mean, it's it's interesting as you look at episode four with Luke when he was just the young guy, uh, the Death Star is blown up by the Millennium Falcon, and there's just a lot of joy that comes about at the end of that. And then... You see it at Return of the Jedi as well. They build a bigger 
Death Star that's got greater capabilities. And it's like the same storyline, but it doesn't matter. Keep building the Death Stars. They'll keep blowing them up and the sorrow will turn to joy. And I'll just keep going to the box office. I just love it. Feed me more. Feed me more Star Wars because I love the theme of sorrow being turned into joy and evil being overcome with good. Well, what we have, brothers and sisters, and the reason we are drawn to stories like that um, in our culture is that there's something in our heart that resonates with the reality that God is going to turn off sorrow for the believer into joy. And we look at John chapter 16, and Jesus is talking here right before his death and his resurrection and ascension, that there's going to be sorrow that we as Christians are going to need to endure, but that our sorrow will turn, verse 20, into joy. And I love verse 22 of John chapter 16 as well. If you look there with me, also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your heart's will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. There's a day coming, and coming very soon, where our hearts will rejoice never to sorrow again, and no one will take our joy from us. On that final day, when the Lord Jesus returns and takes us forever to be with Him, in heaven. I can't wait for that day. I'm so thankful for it. We're going to be celebrating communion at the end of the service today to remember the reason that all of this is even possible is because of the incarnate Son, Jesus Christ, the God-man who came down to earth to turn our sorrow into joy and to save us from the wrath of God that our sins deserve. We have a great God, do we not? A great God and Savior. And His name is Jesus Christ. It was alluded to this morning, though, that Christmas can be at time, a, can also be a time not just of great joy, but also a time of great sadness. Um, it can be a time where remembrances of deaths in the family or even calling to mind loved ones who have suffered or who are currently suffering marks your life. And if that's any of you right now, I just want to let you know that we are carrying your burden on our hearts in prayer. It can be a sadness over a sense of loss at Christmas time, painful remembrances of what the locusts have eaten what sin has brought into this fallen world, or just heartache over the awareness of the sins of others. So what cause can there really be to rejoice when we see so much evidence of sadness all around? Well, brothers and sisters, we can have joy because Christ has come. We can have joy because Christ has come And He has lived a sinless life. He has died a substitutionary death on the cross for sinners to die in their place. And He is indeed raised from the dead where He right now reigns at the right hand of the Father. And we are joyfully awaiting 
His return, whereas it says in John chapter 16, verse 22, remember this promise. Jesus says, you will see me again. And your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. Joy is going to be ours throughout all of eternity because of Christ. And Christmas really calls to mind really the the message of joy that Christianity is. Really, Christianity really is a religion of joy, a religion of gladness. We can sometimes forget that in the midst of our sorrows, but it's important to remember this truth. God has done something, and He is doing something, and He's going to do something, and it's really cause for us to rejoice In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the Word of God says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Love the the heralding by the angel. I bring you good news of great joy. Remember, brothers and sisters, today that God has done something and there is cause for us to rejoice because the gospel is good news of great joy. And the angel says, and it will be for all the people because unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Matthew chapter 2 verse 10 says this, that when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. When the reality of the prophetic fulfillment that Christ would come and that the star would be a sign that a special king would be born, when they saw the realization of what the star signified and pointed to, the baby, Jesus, in a manger in Bethlehem, the King of kings and Lord of lords born in a humble manger. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy because a Savior had come. God has indeed done something and it is a cause of great joy for us. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him, the Word of God says. And then they opened up their treasures And they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. We're talking about a king of kings and lord of lords that condescended graciously to come and be born in Bethlehem in a manger, in a feeding trough. And we ought to wonder at the humility of God that he would condescend to come and do such a thing. But Christianity really is, it's a, it's a religion of great joy because really in the face of just great evil and darkness, God has done something and a light has shone into the darkness and great victory and salvation has been brought by this Savior who is Christ the Lord. God has done something and that is a cause of joy for us. So I want to give you just a Definition of joy, because to understand what joy is, this Advent season, we're celebrating joy as a theme today. It's important to note that 
in the original, the, the word joy in, it, in its root form can be defined as grace recognized. Grace recognized. Like Tommy had mentioned earlier, right before we worship, joy is really deeper than the happiness that this world longs for because it's really rooted in, in recognizing the grace of God in our lives. And when you recognize grace, it really does produce joy in your life. I think the lack of joy often in my life and the lack of joy that we see even in believers' lives often comes about because we fail to recognize grace and call to mind the grace of God in our lives. We forget, as Second Peter 1 talks about, that we have been cleansed from our past sins. And so we become nearsighted and blind, the scriptures talk about, and we we forget, we don't call to mind the good news of the gospel and what God has done for us. And so we often are not aware of the good news of great joy that stands over our lives. We're more aware of our troubles and we're more aware of our sorrows and we're not aware of grace. We're not recognizing grace. And that can often be a cause of a lot of the sorrow that we experience. It amplifies the sorrow and the sadness that we experience. When we forget God and His grace in our lives, it does dampen us. You know, it's interesting. Um, when you look at Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, there's a beautiful passage of Scripture that many of you know by heart. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you remember that expression? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Another way, another way to define that is the joy of the Lord is your stronghold. God is our joy or our stronghold in times of trouble. And the joy of the Lord is indeed our strength. This phrase came about in a time in Israel's history when the law of God was being read to them after a long time and a long period of neglecting God's law and neglecting God's word. The people heard the word of God read and they wept. They were actually weeping when that phrase, the joy of the Lord is your strength, was stated over them by the Lord. The law, after long years of being neglected, caused the people, no doubt, to just weep because they were suddenly aware of all that they had left undone that God had called them to from the law. And they were probably very aware at that moment of their sin. And yet, it's very interesting in Nehemiah 8 verse 10, Nehemiah and Ezra call the people of God not to weep in that moment, but to rejoice and to feast. Because God had done something, and God was doing something, and and in the midst of even being aware of sin, even being newly aware due to reading the law of God of how far short they fall, God called the people not to weep and lament in that moment, but He called them to rejoice. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
The joy that is our strength is the recognition that the law's demands have been met by our Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The joy of the Lord that is our strength is the recognition that God, even right now in the midst of our lives, that have so many complications to them and so many difficulties, so many trials and tribulations surrounding them, is right now in this present moment working all of these things together for your good. The joy of the Lord that is your strength is the recognition, like Jesus says here in John 16, that yeah, you have sorrow now in this fallen world. But I will see you again, Jesus said. And your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. The, the, the joy of the Lord that is your strength has a, a, a past orientation and a looking back and calling to mind what God has already done. It, it has a present orientation that, that, that calls to mind the promises of God over our life right now in the current trials that we're facing. But it also has a future orientation as well. Joy looks back and remembers what God has already done. Joy looks into the present and remembers that God right now is working all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And joy also looks forward and remembers that there is a day that is coming very soon when the Lord our God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And there will never be any suffering any longer for the old order of things will have forever passed away. Oh, brothers and sisters, let us remember the the past orientation of, of calling to mind what God has done for us in Christ. And let that fuel joy this morning so that the joy of the Lord would be your strength. You know, I'm, I'm not often very much calling to mind the fact that I've been forgiven of my sins. I, like the scriptures talk about, can often forget that I've been cleansed from my past sins. Many Christians have reminded us in this current day that it's an important thing to, as believers to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. So we might not forget that we have been cleansed from our past sins. Forgetting that we've been cleansed from our past sins can be the cause of much condemnation and sadness and discouragement. We can always be aware of the battle rather than being aware that the battle has already been fought and won by Jesus Christ our Lord. And so let us call to mind that God has done something. And that work is a finished work that Jesus said, it is finished over right before he died. His death on the cross was for you. His blood that was shed was for you. And if you have repented of your sins and believed in the shed blood of our Lord, you have been cleansed from your past sins. And your heart this morning, I believe the Lord would want to impress upon you, is called to rejoice and to celebrate and to remember what God has done for you in Christ. For it is indeed a finished work.
God also raised his son up from the dead. And that is a cause to rejoice. It's something that God has already accomplished. Christ has been risen from the dead and we have been justified because God has risen his son up from the dead. We are declared righteous in Christ because God has raised his son up from the dead. As we contemplate death and we contemplate even the death of loved ones and we contemplate the reality of this fallen world and and all of the suffering in it, let us remember the God of resurrection and let it cause fuel into our hearts so that the joy of the Lord in the midst of these contemplations would be our strength. Let these contemplations, though they cause us to weep, let us not stop there, but remember that there's always hope because God has raised His Son up from the dead. We have a God who wields resurrection power in all the situations that we're looking at as we even contemplate the suffering of current loved ones in our lives and we pray for their salvation and we sometimes can despair that they won't be saved. Friends, let us look and remember that we have a God who raised His Son up from the dead and let us not lose hope. But let us rather rejoice and let the joy of the Lord be our strength. God has done something. It's a finished work. It's been accomplished. It's been achieved. And for the believer in Christ, it's been applied to your life so that right now you can know that you have indeed been cleansed from your past sins. And when we participate in communion in a few minutes and you partake of the bread and the cup, which symbolizes the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord, you can remember that this is an accomplished reality over your life. And let it fuel fresh joy right now, even in the midst of contemplating many sorrows. There's also the reality that God is doing something. He is at work, and there's a cause for present joy because the Lord is at work. I was thinking about this the other day. I was uh, out shopping with Shannon, and we stopped in uh, one of the malls, and the malls were just jammed. And I I remember we were looking around at a, a number of things and purchasing a number of gifts. And at one point, I was just seeing all the people walking around, and it was just packed and just it seemed like you could barely fit anybody else in there. And I just sat down for a moment and uh, the Holy Spirit just gave me a sense of just the deep spiritual need of all the people that were just flying past. The need for them to repent and believe in Christ in order to be saved. It was It came upon me so great, but also just the, the spiritual burdens that people were carrying and the weights that they were carrying. It was... It was all so heavy that it was actually just overwhelming to me in the moment. And I sat down and I just, I put my head down and I just prayed and began to remember our God who is sovereign over all things. Our God who is sovereign over the hearts of men and women. Our God who is so sovereign that it says about him that the heart of the king is like a water course in the hands of the Lord. He directs it wherever He wills. That that the heart of man is not sovereign, but that God is sovereign over the hearts of men and women. And that all that's happening in this world is happening underneath His absolute rule, His absolute sovereignty, and under His providential care. God's got it all.
and he's got all these people in his hands and he knows what he's doing and it's all too big for any one of us, but it's not too big for our God. And brothers and sisters, all of a sudden as I was praying over all of the people, the reality that God is doing wonderful things began to captivate my heart and to fill my heart with joy in the midst of what was a very sorrowful moment. The realization that God is at work doing something, that He is sovereign and in control over the souls of men and women brought fresh joy into my heart because all of a sudden I was recognizing grace. Recognizing that not only have I been cleansed from my past sins, but that God was all over the world right now at this present time, and He is, brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit is going all throughout the world, convicting men and women of sin and righteousness and judgment and drawing people to the Savior Himself so that they might be saved. That is a cause for rejoicing because we know that God is doing something. So He's not only done something, He's doing something. He's active. He's on the move. Our God's not just standing still. He's at work in your heart. He's at work in your loved one's hearts. Working in ways to produce miracles. He is a God that can do anything. And we're reminded in the Scriptures that there's nothing that's impossible for our God. Do you believe that? With God, all things are possible. Brothers and sisters, receive a fresh injection of joy into your heart this morning from that promise. With God, all things are possible. Have you given up hope on a situation in your life right now? The Lord wants to fill your heart with joy and let the joy of the Lord be your strength with this reality. With God, all things are possible. He who did not spare His Son, but freely gave Him up for us all, how will He also, along with Him, not graciously give us all things? Brothers and sisters, He's a God who sent His Son to die. He's a God who sent His Son to die, but then raised Him up to new life. And that resurrection life... It's meant to fill our hearts with joy this morning that not only has He achieved and accomplished something, He's up to something good right now in your life and working all things together for good in your life. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. You know, Scripture talks about your salvation and mine, that you were literally snatched from the fire. You were drawn up, so was I, from the pit of eternal destruction. So even though we still dwell in this fallen world, and we still experience the ongoing effects of man's sin, and the destructive work of Satan, the days of darkness, we as believers know that God has shined down into the darkness And He has turned it back. He's overcome it. And He's going to bring all of this to a joyful end. And it's to that future orientation right now as we think of joy being grace recognized. I want you to recognize that God's favor in Christ to you 
isn't just because he's achieved something in the past, and it's not just because he's protecting you and guarding you and working all things together for good in the present. God also is building all of this up to lead you to a happy ending in Christ. You know, our lives as Christians have many ups and downs, and we pass through many dangers and toils and snares here. But brothers and sisters, the good news is that all of this, as Jesus talked about in John 16, verse 22, is going to culminate in us seeing Jesus face to face. Our story is not a tragedy. Our story is, as David Powison describes it, Every true Christian story is a comedy in the good old sense of the word. Every Christian story is a story with a happy ending. Your story, if you are a Christian in this room, and I want you to contemplate that in the, fa- in the face right now of all that you're facing in your life that's difficult. All of this is going forward to a happy ending that is going to be so happy and so filled with eternal joy that in comparison to it, Corinthians says these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us the eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. It's going to blow your mind that first breath of heaven when you stand before the Lord and see Him face to face. And I want to remind you, in the midst of all you're facing this Christmas, no matter what you're facing this Christmas, that God has done something for you. He is doing something right now. And He's going to do something. He is going to protect you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to guard you. He's going to keep you. In fact, that description in Nehemiah 8.10, that the joy of the Lord is your strength, it's talking about that the Lord's a stronghold. He's a fortress. He's a guardian of His people. Actually, in John chapter 17, verse 12, Jesus talks about how No one can snatch his people out of his hand. He's not lost one of those whom the Father has given him. And it says in verse 12, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, those which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost. And Jesus says, I'm coming to you, Father. And this is the day before he dies. I'm coming to you, Father. He's praying for us. And these things I speak in the world, this prayer, this high priestly prayer in John 17, he prays that they, that you, his people, that I, his son, might have joy fulfilled in themselves. All of this is building to a glorious happy ending. Because Christ has done something 
He is doing something. And he is going to carry on to completion the good work that he began in your life. If I could have the ushers begin to distribute the elements for communion, let us prepare our hearts, church, for partaking of the bread and the cup. Let us begin to remember the broken body and shed blood of our Lord. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. He is our joy, our stronghold in the day of trouble. And ushers, you can begin to come forward and immediately begin to distribute communion as soon as you have what you need there. Church, let us begin to prepare our heart. Let us meditate on the broken body and shed blood of our Lord. Let it bring about grace recognized. Let us remember joy this morning. And as you're contemplating what Christ has done for you, I want to share this story with you in closing. Uh, My wife Shannon and I were on a flight from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia a few years ago in the middle of winter. And I remember the day because it was really a real cloudy, a real miserable, freezing rain coming down day. And so the conditions on the ground were absolutely miserable. They had the de-icers out de-icing the wings of the plane, and you think, oh, that can't be good. And it was just gray and bleak. And just to look at the circumstances of the weather, it didn't look really joy-producing, to say the least. But I remember as the plane took off and began to gain an elevation There was this happy surprise that happened as we began to elevate. We began to rise above the clouds. And when we rose to a high enough elevation, we actually got up above the storm. And to our surprise, the sun was still shining. And the sun was shining Brilliantly. And I remember just the the contrast between what we were experiencing on the ground before the flight and the difference of when we finally rose up high enough to see that it was almost as if there was no storm going on at all down below because the sun was shining in its radiance and It almost seemed as if it wasn't the middle of winter and it almost seemed as if there was no storm going on below because the reality of the sun shining and the clarity of that vision was given to us through being able to rise in elevation. Now God calls us in the midst of the storm of our lives to rise up in elevation and to look higher than the storms of the circumstances surrounding us. And 
to remember and call to mind that God has done something for us on the cross. That He sent His only Son. And and don't ever forget the precious sacrifice that was. He sent His only Son down to have His body crushed and broken for you and for me, believer. And He also suffered His Son to shed His blood on the cross so that whoever believes in Him might not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're not a Christian, we want to urge you to repent of your sins and trust in Christ at this time, and you can experience the joy of salvation and the joy of eternal life, even as we as God's people here in our church have. Thanks, Andy. But be reminded right now, if you're having a hard time seeing the sun up above that just because it's storming down here below right now in your life, and just because your life right now is filled with a lot of heartache and pain, remember that the sun is still shining. Jesus is still reigning on His throne right now. He is shining in His radiance and splendor, even though your eyes and my eyes can sometimes fail to see it it can bring great cause of joy into our heart to remember that the sun is always shining. And for the true Christian, the sun of God's favor and His grace never stops shining, no matter how hard the circumstances His sons and daughters are going through. Our challenge this morning is that in order for the joy of the Lord to be our strength, let us recognize that grace. Let us look and call to mind right now as we participate in communion. The, The broken body of our Lord was indeed broken for you. That's how great His love for you is. And the shed blood of our Lord was shed for you to atone for all of your real transgressions, to purchase for you the real salvation that you now have. Let that be a cause a fresh joy in your heart as we partake of the bread and the cup together. Let me read God's Word. Matthew chapter 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, He broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is My body. Let us remember the broken body of our Lord. Let the broken body of our Lord produce fresh joy as you recognize grace that God would have done such a thing for you. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let us remember and recognize the grace of God that caused him to send his son to shed his blood to atone for the transgressions of his people. God's people, let us partake of the cup at this time and remember the blood of our Lord.
after Jesus distributed the bread and passed around the cup, reminding his disciples the night before he died of the salvation that he would win for them the very next day on the cross. Jesus, in order to help them to be filled with joy as they look down the road, speaks of the future orientation that we talked about in this message, that there is grace to be recognized and that God has done something and grace to be recognized that He's doing something right now and also grace to be recognized that God is going to do something. He said this to His disciples after communion. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Brothers and sisters, as we celebrate Advent and as we conclude the service this morning, let us rejoice with great joy, exceedingly great joy, because our awesome God has made our hearts glad this morning as we look at His Word. We recognize the grace of God that because of what He has done, not only is He going to sustain us in this life, but very soon, more soon than we can even think, we are going to drink the fruit of the vine new with Jesus in His Father's kingdom at the great marriage supper of the Lamb. And let us rejoice and allow our hearts to take great delight that our story is a story with a happy ending on this Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you so much for sending your Son. Thank you for the great sacrifice, Jesus, that you offered up, offering up your body to be broken and your blood to be shed to purchase lost sinners for yourself. Thank you so much for the mercy that you've had on us. Lord, how can we ever doubt? How can we ever doubt your great love when we see the measure that you went to to display it and suffering your body to be crushed and your blood to be shed? You died for us, Lord. Help us to take great delight in the reality that we have indeed been saved. Lord, you said it is finished. And we can take great delight right now in the midst of all of our troubles because we know that we are yours. And we have been bought with a price. We are your treasured possession, almighty God. And we know, Lord, that you're working all things together for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. Romans 8.28, that precious promise is at work right now in all of our lives as we contemplate all the, the difficult dynamics that even exist in our lives right now. And we take heart and fresh delight in that truth. Lord, we also allow our hearts to rejoice. We recognize grace that because of what you've done, We are heading to an eternal future in heaven with you where we'll see you face to face and we'll 
rejoice with you, drink the fruit of the vine with you anew in the kingdom of heaven. And Lord, all sorrow will forever be gone and you will wipe away every tear from our eyes, Lord God. And there'll be no more weeping or crying or pain, Lord, in that day that's coming very soon, all because of what you've done in sending your son down to this earth and shining the light of who you are down in the darkness. Light of the world, thank you so much for coming and giving our sin-filled souls a cause for joy because you are a forgiving God who forgives sins and a God who delivers from wrath to those who trust in you and a God who protects and guards his people all the way through their earthly journeys and brings them safely home to eternal joy in heaven. Oh Lord, as we look at our lives right now, help us to take heart. Help us not to fear. Because in this world, we will have tribulation and trouble. But let us take heart. Because you have indeed overcome the world. We love you, Almighty God. And we give our hearts to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you, church. Have a wonderful week. Look forward to seeing you next week at our Christmas Eve service, Sunday at 10 a.m. God bless you.